0: Recently I learned a word, Sonder. Sonder is the idea that all of us are living different lives and in certain moments we are able to recognize it. So what's Sonder Lust? Sonder Lust is the desire to be living other people's lives. Some call it FOMO or the fear of missing out. I used to think I was alone in my feelings of Sonder Lust until I shared them with a group of people from my co-working space and it wasn't just FOMO. There's something more. See, there's a lust in all of us, a drive in all of us to believe that other people are living lives that are better than ours. And it doesn't take long through scrolling through Instagram or Facebook or even looking at the different things that I see people pin on Pinterest that I feel as though somehow my life doesn't equal. Hi, I'm Sarah. And here's some things you should probably know about me. I'm a 30-something singleton who has a career as a pastor, a house, a large group of friends, and arguably the world's cutest dog. I have a great life on paper and I have a great life when I sit down and think about all the things I have to be grateful for. But I myself have some real areas of my life that I find to be lacking. And I know that I want the kind of life that I enjoy all parts of. I have a big birthday. I'm turning 37. 37. Recently, had a doctor ask me if I ever wanted to have children because she was worried that should I not get going on that, I will have what is known as a geriatric pregnancy. Now, before you write in all these letters, I know lots of women are having kids in their 40s, but it began the thought, time is passing. I call my best friend, John, who is both the deepest and most ridiculous human.
1: I am in the airport, but it's like really obnoxious. There may be a point where I get up in the middle of this, and as I'm talking, I'm going to buy snacks at the little newsstand. Snacks at the newsstand? At some point, I might want Reese's Pieces. I don't know.
0: If they're allowed, you can just eat them. No one is going to be mad if you just eat no, them. No, but I don't have
1: them yet. That's the thing. Okay. I might have to go buy them. So okay. I'm just preparing you for that.
0: Okay, that's fine. So I turn 37 soon.
1: Maybe
0: 37. It's our, it's our late 30s. Late
1: You're on the downhill side. You're you're going down.
0: I know. I know. So I went to this conference, John, and it was incredible But this girl spoke. She lives in Nepal.
1: I was going to say Sri Lanka. I was close. You
0: were close. So she lives in Nepal. She's incredible. She lives in Nepal. She goes on this mission, not even a mission trip. It's just like this trip she goes on when she's 17 and she encounters all these orphans and she decides she can do something about it, which is incredible. So she ends up at 19 building her own orphanage deciding not to go to college and instead to like raise these children so now she by now she's adopted 54 children right whoa yeah and got them like dropped a bunch of them off at school even here in the united states like she is incredible she's built this hospital like so inspiring so great and then she says that over and over again the one question that people ask her at the end of every interview including like cnn i think she said oprah they always ask like well, how are you going to find someone to marry? And she's like, I have 54 children. What more can I need? But then she puts her hand on her stomach and she's like, I guess one more, because last year at a conference, I met my husband. This girl lives in Nepal and can find a boyfriend. I live in one of the most populated states in the entire country, and I can't find a date.
1: Well, clearly you haven't been taking advantage of the conference circuit. I mean, that's a a (laughs) hot spot.
0: So what do you say I, like, subtly hint from the stage, if you like what you hear, how about buying me a drink? (laughs) Do you remember the last time we had a phone conversation, and I was crying about my life, and I really needed to get it together? And you told me that all I was doing was sort of romanticizing everyone else's life. Yes. And you said, there are a couple of things you wanted me to do, and what did you say, if I don't in 52 weeks... (laughs) You're going to rent a truck?
1: Yeah, we're going to rent a truck and we're just going to move you. But it's at at the mercy of me. So I'm going to blindfold myself and point on a map. (laughs) And that's where you have to move.
0: It could be Nepal.
1: It could be Nepal. It could be Bolivia. It could be Newark, (laughs) New Jersey.
0: So what do I have to do to not be put at the mercy of you pointing at a map? You do know I'm an ordained clergy member. And so my bosses move me. You don't get to move me. Well, I'm like a boss in life, so I move who I want. <laughs> okay, so what's the challenge?
1: 52 weeks. So 52 weeks. So okay. challenge is one. Mm-hmm. You have to love your job. I like my job. You have to like your job, but I think you should love your job.
0: What do you think's wrong with my job?
1: I don't think anything's wrong with your job. I don't think anything's wrong with any job, but I think... You need to be in a position where you're loving your job and your job is not draining you. It, you know, everybody's job is going to be draining at some points, but overall, it can't be a just a, a life suck. And that's easy for people in the ministry, especially pastors, to let their job suck everything out of their life and then they burn out.
0: It's hard because I feel like my job is a good job and it's a great job and I'm super lucky. I get to have a yeah. job with meaning and I get to speak at events and write books. And I think anyone listening would think like, chick, you got a good life. What is your problem? No,
1: nothing's wrong with it. It's
0: great. Okay, but I don't have to leave my job in a year. I just have to figure out a way to love it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying quit your job.
0: Okay. Okay, what else?
1: Okay. Dating. Oh, Here's my. the big one.
0: <laughs> I know that I haven't.
1: Here's the big one. And right now I'm gonna I'm gonna Thor's hammer you oh, right on right on the head. Maxwell's <laughs> silver hammer. Oh, wow. Uh so mm-hmm. what's your biggest complaint about dating in Southern California?
0: My biggest complaint.
1: Yeah, I've heard it before, and I'm just gonna get you to say it. There's not any good guys, and there's not any good guys. You have this belief that you're not gonna find a guy in Southern California. Do you not?
0: I don't. I guess. I feel like I'm in Nepal.
1: You guess. guess.
0: Okay. Yes, I feel like that a little bit because. Okay. Anytime I've tried, because I tried, I tried the, I tried the internet.
1: You've tried lots of stuff. Here's my point with this.
0: It's not that I don't think they're good guys. It's that I think that. My, like, things that I like and being from more than one place and all that kind of stuff, I feel like the things that make me me, I'm not going to find someone who can relate to that.
1: Okay, now you're rationalizing. I'm not going to let you do that.
0: I know I'm also turning red. By red and uncomfortable, I mean that I wanted to abort the whole idea. And not I have to face this part of my personal life. Can I just be a nun? I look really good in black.
1: You're trying to distract me because it's getting uncomfortable. Now it's going to get really uncomfortable. So I will give you that you have tried different things, but you have tried through the lens of I'm not going to find someone who meets the, the things I need and I want. So you've tried, but that lens filtering everything you're looking at and you're trying says I'm not going to find anyone. So I think that limits really... You're trying. It feels like you're trying, but you're really not trying. Now, my challenge for you is you have to find a way to get rid of that mindset. And it may be real. You may not find someone, but you have to get rid of that mindset.
0: Okay, I have to love my job. I have to find a guy to date. No, no, no.
1: I didn't say that. What did you say? I said you have to actually try you have to go on dates too because you'll talk to guys but you won't you won't go on the dates don't
0: go on the dates it's
1: true you don't go on the dates you'll find a reason why and here's what i challenge you is you need to go on dates, good or bad you know this guy you may know from the start that this guy's not going to be right but you need to practice and you need to get yourself out there dating and mm-hmm. by going on dates number one you're going to have funny stories because you're going <laughs> to meet some weirdos it's going to happen and number two uh-huh. you're going to get some free meals out of it
0: why is that the case though sometimes I usually pay. Does that really mean, Like in this day and age? Well, I mean,
1: that's a hot topic right now. I've seen a lot of people say, you know, women want equal rights, but, you know, guys have to pay for everything. I'm under the firm belief that a guy should pay for the first date, maybe even the first three dates.
0: Okay. Love my job. Find a guy. Well, actually go on dates. Not even find yeah. a guy, but have to have have find to a, guy. a happy, happy dating life. Okay, number three. I remember there were three things.
1: I think I'm going to make it four. Okay. So the third thing is... My
0: palms are literally sweating right now.
1: The, the third thing is you have to love where you live and not a retirement community <laughs> on the beach in Mexico.
0: You've kind of always pictured me as a golden girl, haven't you? Blanche. Own it. Yeah. Okay, so love where I live. Yep. Go Actually try. Go on some dates. Yep. Love my job. Yep. That's number four
1: number four revolves your social life and your friends now you've done better about this i I will say this so the challenge for you is to have friends that are not involved in your ministry i'll say 52 weeks. Mm-hmm. I'll say add six new friends. Six new friends? I
0: have so many friends.
1: Uh, 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 six new friends that you regularly hang out with.
0: Regularly hang out with? I don't have
1: time. Sure you do. You make time for what's important to you. If you don't have time to to date, you don't have time to find a community that you're uh, a part of. You, you Find six new friends. That's not that hard. Okay. You find one, you find six. <laughs> it's like
0: ants.
1: Yeah, exactly. But they can't be ministry related because you hang out with a lot of people that are anxious your ministry and you feel like you're working and there's some people that will transcend both because they're special people Mm -hmm. but people that are ministry tend to think of you as their pastor
0: maybe some of the dating guys turn into friends
1: no don't do that i don't know i mean that's possible i mean that's possible but you're not going on dates looking for friends it should be totally separate so we've
0: got our four things okay you think i can do it in a year where are you going to move me you're really not going to tell me
1: i don't know i'm literally going to look at a map It'll be somewhere nice.
0: As John joked about moving me, something inside of me began to change. I wanted to start fighting for staying. As hard as it is to live in California, I love the community that I serve. The people that are part of my church are some of my favorite people. So now I have a sense of urgency. How can I love this life that I lead and also serve the people in my community? So I decided the important thing to do would be research. I went to the source, the oracle, the place where we learn all things. And no, I don't mean the Bible, although I do have a healthy appreciation for it. Instead, I went to the Googles, and I Googled happiness. A famous psychiatrist and psychoanalyst kept popping up, Dr. Carl Jung. Jung spent a good portion of his career asking, what do people need to be happy? In 1960, Jung told the journalist there were five things that needed to be in alignment for one to feel happy, good, physical, and mental health, sphere one. Second, good personal and intimate relationships, such as those of marriage, family, and friendships. Three, the faculty for perceiving beauty in art and nature. Four, reasonable standards of living and satisfactory work. Five, a philosophical or religious point of view, capable of coping successfully with the way that life isn't sure. Then at the end, he added, all factors which are generally assumed to make for happiness can, under circumstances, produce the contrary. No matter how ideal your situation may be, it does not necessarily guarantee happiness. Great. Jung actually said the more you deliberately seek happiness, the more sure you are not to find it. Here's the thing I think all of us struggle with these five areas. I've decided to take an expert in the field of happiness, Dr. Jung, and an expert in the field of me, my best friend, John, and merge together their ideas. I'm gonna take on the challenges John gives me while exploring Jung's observations. So for the next year, I wanna invite you into this challenge with me. I'm opening up my life to you in hopes that together we can try new things, take on challenges, and hear from some pretty incredible people along the way, all with the goal of facing our own Sonderlust. Join in next episode as I dive into the relationship part of the challenge by speaking to an expert who happens to be the director of York's Sexual Health and Relationship Lab. Turns out, dating algorithms aren't right. Sonderlust the podcast is hosted by me Sarah Heath the episode was produced and edited by Corey Saveri our team includes the very talented queen of graphics Allie Fleming and our marketing wizard Alex Maldonado our theme is written and performed by Daniel Roberts you can visit us at www.sonderlustpodcast.com and to find out more about yours truly check out revsarahheath.com